Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm Peter Skaggs with Lighthouse, and I want to thank you for joining me for episode number one of the Lifestyle Asset Podcast. Today, we're going to answer the question, what is a lifestyle asset? And I'm going to tell you how I discovered them. Before we do, I want to introduce myself very quickly and share a little bit about me with you. I have been investing in real estate for over 16 years now, and I absolutely love it. I think it is the best investment you can make uh, outside of maybe investing in your own self and in a business that you maybe own. So I own a lot of single family rentals, a couple apartment complexes, commercial building, but none of them, none of them compare to the returns that I get from my lifestyle asset. And those returns are not for that, that the statement is not for the reasons that I believe you think. So in 2008, we entered the years that have now been dubbed the Great Recession. If you remember, it was a mortgage slash real estate meltdown. I was in the mortgage business. And in March of 2009, the mortgage company I was working for officially shut their doors. And I found myself without a job. I made looking for a new career my full-time job. To add to the difficulty, my wife, Linda, was several months pregnant with our second child. She was already taking our infant son to work with her because I was out working temp jobs and interviewing. Linda is an award-winning interior designer, and she is great at what she does. But the Great Recession was impacting everyone. Linda's clients were no exception. She wasn't helping nearly as many people. And as a commission-only employee, that meant smaller than normal paychecks, much smaller. So we were burning through our savings, the little savings that we had, and we were in a panic. So to recap, I'm bouncing from temp job to temp job while interviewing and searching for an opportunity, while my wife is taking our, second, or our son to work with her while pregnant with our second child. So in September of that year, after spending almost six months taking odd jobs and interviewing, I received a call from my buddy. He had applied for a mortgage license with the state of Utah, and he wanted me to help him start his mortgage company. Starting a mortgage company in the middle of a mortgage meltdown is not exactly a stellar business plan, but I knew mortgages and I didn't, I didn't have other options lined up at the door. So at the time, we had one rental property, uh, and uh, and like most homes, it was underwater. Uh, to the best of my uh, uh, recollection, we were about $100,000 upside down. And to help us survive, we decided we would have to sell our primary residence, our home, that uh, luckily still had a little bit of equity in it. And then we would move into our rental property. We ended up selling our home uh through a series of miracles and and it was we sold it in just the nick of time to give you a sense of timing i had to borrow several hundred dollars from my mother-in-law to make a uh, no our november mortgage payment on my house on my primary residence that i was selling luckily it was our last payment we actually ended up selling the home on december 1st of 2009 I had to borrow that money from my mother-in-law because the sale of our home had been delayed due to a number of issues. Uh, well, again, we're in the middle of the mortgage meltdown. Uh, 
So if I can be a little vulnerable, I was embarrassed and ashamed. My mother-in-law is lending me money. I had promised to take care of her only daughter. And now I'm asking her for money because I'm broke. We literally had zero dollars to our name and Linda was about to have a baby, our second. So as I think about it, with our investment property being a negative $100,000 in the hole, I was worth less than zero dollars. Anyway, we sold the home on December 1st and Linda stopped working on December 9th. So we, we basically made it by about a week. Uh, because she went into labor with our daughter who was born on December 10th. So yes, my wife worked all the way up to the day before we had our daughter. Now it was all up to me. We lived on the little money that we had made from the sale of our home. And for the next three years, I worked around the clock to dig us out of this hole that we were in. My head was down 12, 14, 16 hours a day, plus most Saturdays. I was out the door early to go to networking meetings. I was working late to meet with potential clients in their homes after work. I was out meeting realtors, CPAs, financial planners, basically anybody who would talk to me. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been in that spot before, but you kind of get in this mode of desperation where, when you're working around the clock just to make ends meet. Maybe you have to work two jobs, or maybe you're like my dad and you work a full-time job, you're going to school full-time. Maybe you're just trying to start a company. Anyway, that's what I was doing. Whatever it is, I'm sure you felt as I did, that the world was just passing me by, that I just I felt this weight on my shoulders. Uh, and yet here my wife and children are having life experiences and I'm not a part of them. Uh, I, there was just no time. And I, candidly, it was just not a life I wanted to keep living. But for a few years, things were tight. Linda was at home raising those two beautiful children while her husband was basically non-existent, uh, except for maybe on Sundays uh, when I would uh, I'd stay home, we'd go to church. But I, you, you know, now as I think back about it now, I was pretty lethargic. I'd usually just lay on the sofa and watch football. Um, you know, I was, I was I was pretty much a bum trying to recover from working, uh, you know, 70, 80, 90 hours during the week. Uh, and just, I was exhausted. So that continued for about three years. Uh, when Linda would suggest that we get away or that she wanted to buy something for the kids or house, I'd say something dumb like, you know, if we will live like no one else now, later we can live like no one else. Or I'd, I'd say something like, let me sacrifice today so their children can have a better tomorrow. All the while I wasn't living, uh, all I was doing was sacrificing time, my most precious asset. I was sacrificing it uh, and, and I was missing time with my amazing wife and two beautiful children. Between you and me, it was hard on Linda and me and our relationship. We fought. We spent a little, very little time together. We would put on a good front with the neighbors or church or with friends, but we we're both scared and tired and beat up. We loved each other, but we didn't like each other that much. I hope none of you can relate. So Linda, to her credit, stuck in there with me as I stressed and worked and tried and failed and tried again. All the while, my genius wife knew there was a better way. 
she would say brilliant things to me like, I don't want to wait until I'm 60 to start living my life. Or I don't want, I want to do it now while I can. And then she'd say uh, things that just resonate with me to this day that like tomorrow is not promised. So if we fast forward again, about three years, around the end of July in 2012, I'd mostly dug us out of the hole we were in, but you know, we still were you know, just kind of scraping by. Linda was looking around at some of the local resorts to see if she could find us an inexpensive weekend getaway for our upcoming wedding anniversary. And she wanted to spend a little time with me because we hadn't done much of that uh, since I'd started the company. Anyway, uh, everything Linda was looking at was over budget, but she felt this push, this impression to check out the local newspaper website in the classifieds. And she found an ad that basically said, stay in Kauai for the month of September for 1600 bucks. One of the loan officers that worked with me at the time had just worked from South Africa for a few weeks. And so he had planted in the, this seed in Linda that it was possible for me to work remotely. So Linda called me and read it to me and I don't remember exactly what I said, but I'm sure it was probably something like, you know, it's a total scam or Linda, don't be gullible. Yeah, I can be an awesome husband at times. Uh, anyway, Linda, she can be like a dog with a bone and she called on that ad and found out it was posted by a sweet senior couple who had retired to Kauai from Utah and had come to Utah to visit family and decided to extend their stay. To cover costs, they'd put their condo up for rent. Basically, they were asking us to cover their, their HOA fees while they were in Utah. So I still didn't believe it. I had to actually call them myself. Uh, they were very convincing. I then had to call their references, also convincing. And Linda is the most convincing of them all. So long story short, with our four-year-old son in tow and two-year-old daughter, uh, we jumped on a plane to Kauai, hoping that we weren't a part of some elaborate scam. Uh, after all, what could go wrong? We're booking, a, 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 we're renting a condo in Hawaii off a newspaper classified ad found in Utah, right? So long story short, those weeks in Kauai changed everything for me. You see, I had, I had several experiences there that changed my perspective. They changed my life. As this is a podcast, I can't show you this picture, but I want to describe it for you. I had gotten up early and was working out there uh, trying to get ahead of things. Um, Hawaii is also a few hours behind us time zone wise. So I had to get up early just to work normal hours. And I came out probably for lunch or something. Uh, I came out of the back room where I had been working all morning and I came out to find my wife and our son and daughter kneeling in family prayer, kneeling on the sofa in family prayer. They were having family prayer without me. Now I'm grateful for my that my wife was teaching our children to pray, but I also realized that I didn't want to be missing those sorts of things. So I committed there and then that I'd be a more present husband and father. And so over the 10 years since then, I've failed at being a present husband and father. I've failed again and again and again, but at least I'm trying now. And, and I have a place that uh, a memory that reminds me of who I want to be and the old life that I used to live and how I don't want to return there. So here I am again, 10 years later, 
and I've been blessed to be able to take my family to Kauai every year since. Remember, in November of 2009, I was worth a negative $100,000. With hard work, determination, God's grace, I've been able to take my kids to paradise a lot. We've also had other amazing experiences together. These experiences have created memories that I will cherish forever. So this leads me to the question, what is a lifestyle asset? So lifestyle is defined as the way in which we live, the way in which a person or group or family lives. I love my lifestyle, the way I live in Kauai. We spend a lot of time at the beach, playing in the waves, surfing, reading, sunbathing. Hanalei Bay is one of my absolute favorite places on the planet. I believe it is uh, the most gorgeous place on the planet. There's, I mean, you sit there and you have this beautiful bay and you've got waterfalls and green lush mountains and, and this just gorgeous pier and you watch sunsets out there. It's just amazing. We also eat amazing food. And the best part is that everything in Kauai is zero calories, or at least that's what I tell myself. And as a result, dessert's always an option in Kauai. And so the, t and, and, and the time we spend watching those sunrises and sunsets are so healing. It's so good for the soul, at least for my soul. But candidly, this lifestyle is expensive, especially if you're there an extended period of time. I don't know if anybody's been to Hawaii lately, but milk's like over $7 a gallon. So that's where an asset aspect plays a vital role. An asset is defined as anything that puts money in your pocket. That's Robert Kiyosaki. That's his definition. Anything that puts money in your pocket is considered an asset. So after going to Kauai every year for five years, we decided to buy a lifestyle asset there. Some people call them an Airbnb or a short-term rental or a VRBO or vacation rental. Yes, it is an asset that puts money in our pocket. Think of it. I have not had to pay for a flight, rental car, meals, hotel uh, for years, for the last five years as I've owned my lifestyle asset. But to me, it is so much more than that. It's a place where you are present with your loved ones. It's a place where you can create memories, a place where you can strengthen family uh, and friendship, family bonds and friendships, a place where you can recover, refresh, renew. It's a place where you can work on yourself, on your company, or on your relationships. It's an asset that pays for you to live life on your terms where you and your loved ones find infinite returns. The hope and purpose of my podcast is to give you all the tips, tricks, and techniques to find, finance, furnish, and facilitate buying a lifestyle asset. We hope you'll subscribe and please share this with friends, family members, and colleagues so that we can get the word out. We want to help you buy a home of light, a lighthouse. If you want to set up a free one-to-one -one coaching call, you can do so by going to IMA, the letters IMA, lighthouse.com, I'm a lighthouse.com, 
or text us at 801-664-1079. Again, I'm Peter Skaggs with Lighthouse, and we look forward to helping you on your journey. Remember, a legacy isn't left, it's lived.